I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business to get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls. Every freaking day, visit Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-Pack. To get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news and the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining this Sharp College Football Podcast. And um, and even though it's not it's not football, it's not football-related, Rob, holy Moses, Arizona's basketball team, one of the most fun teams <laughs> I've watched. <laughs> Set, like, literally since that UCLA uh, UCLA team with Lonzo Ball. Um, and yeah. uh, I forget that other guy, that, that one kid that played for one year. Anyway, uh, TJ Leaf, that, that team was so fun. This Arizona basketball team, like again, we'll get right into football after this, but it like they 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 they're jump the team will jump and dunk with the guy that's dunking the ball at the fast break. They're blowing kisses to opposing you know student sections. It is amazing, yeah. <laughs> like really really fun basketball. How are you, sir? I'm I'm really good. I'm really good. Uh, like uh, beta ranks on a roll, um, <laughs> to put it mildly. Heated up on the back half of the season. Really, once we got out of the preseason data. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a very, uh, it's not as if like there are times in the off season where like you and I are like emailing back and forth and it's like, what are we going to talk about this week? Right. Like yeah. <laughs> and this is not that week at all. <laughs> no, it was wild. There's a lot of stories to cover. And obviously the uh, the hire of Dan Lanning at Oregon and some of the shenanigans and stories there. We have coordinator hires. We have a bowl game already coming up. But before we talk about that, one thing to, to mention is we are going to open our bowl pool this week. The games are coming up this weekend. So if you're interested in joining the bowl pool, we're doing a $12 entry fee. Um, let us know either on Twitter at 12 pack radio where people have let us know, or you can email us at 12 pack radio at gmail.com. If you want to get in on that, do it. Um, I'm going to open the door to a couple of our friends. Uh, I might give them a free entry just so you can compete against, um, some of the, the folks that you've heard on this podcast, but always really fun to do bowl season. It keeps you engaged the whole time, um, from like middle Tennessee against ball state or whatever it is to the national title. It's fun to watch these games and have a little bit of skin in the game. So if you're interested in joining, uh, the prizes will be, uh, proportional to the amount of the entry fees that have been put in, uh, minus some of the costs to host the site. Um, but we're not making money on it. We're just trying to, we're just going to cover the cost of just getting everything done. So you don't have to worry about me emailing your (laughs) picks back and forth. So anyway, let us know about that. Um, with that out of the way, Rob, man, this Oregon hire uh, was wild. 
we yeah. there were some whisperings about Chip Kelly, and then there was some Justin Wilcox stuff, and then there was you know oh maybe they're going to make a big hire, maybe they're not, and then all of a sudden Dan Lanning kind of drops down and an interesting name and an interesting hire for Oregon. I want to get in more into the the um oh my gosh. Oh, the palace intrigue, right? Like of this, the, the aftermath yeah. of this is holy Moses. <laughs> wild. It feels, it does. It certainly feels a bit like the assumption of like a, a Roman emperor, or like a, an Ottoman sultan, right? Of where, like the uh, the goings on, the goings on behind the scenes of the Praetorian Guard are uh, you know a, like a, a little hard to watch in public. Yeah. If if this was you know let's say a thousand years ago, somebody would have died (laughs) just based on the scorched earth campaign uh, that had happened in uh, in the news right after the hiring of Dan Lenny. But let's start with the actual hire itself, because I think it's interesting. I, I'm going to come out of the gate right now with an interesting approach to this. I, I understand that, that Lanning isn't, has done an excellent job as a defensive coordinator at Georgia. I understand that he has, um, come from a tree that knows how to recruit and will likely continue that, you know, do whatever you need to do to get the bodies in the door type of thing. At the same time from like a winning the press conference splashy hire. I don't know. This sounds weird, but like, I kind of liked Kalen Balaj better for Washington than I liked the hire of Dan Lanning. Oh, Although DeBoer. Yeah. Oh, DeBoer. Yeah. Yeah. At Washington. I just thought that was, you know, that's somebody that's won a national title. He's worked his way up as a head coach multiple times. He's shown himself as an offensive coordinator um, and then was able to do it yet again at Fresno State. And there was there was a lot there with Lanning. Awesome defensive record. Uh, just what he's done at Georgia is like almost historical. And I'm, I'm curious to see what the Baderick numbers say about his defenses, uh, because, I mean, it, it, it is quite nasty what he's been able to build there. But only a defensive coordinator for three years. Um, you know, people point to his time at, at Alabama, you know, he was a, a grad assistant there for one year, no head coaching experience. And he's pretty young. I thought in general, like for Oregon in the amount of money that they were willing to pay, I guess I'm, this could work out well, you don't know, but I just assumed that they would go out and get a bigger name with more, um, with, with more history to, to that, whoever the coach was actually you know running a program this this surprised me a little bit rob what do you what do you think yeah i mean the really it's an odd year right i mean like there were some there were some folks that were really and i thought it was i mean people were saying like we don't want to make like we want to make sure we're not a stepping stone program i'm like yeah i'm sure people at oklahoma and notre dame thought they weren't either right i mean yeah Yeah. there's some really big moves that happened you know this year in particular um and so, I mean, it is hard. I mean, I think if you were looking across and like, does this move the needle in any way? Like the Lincoln Riley hire does like, of course not. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, but there's, there weren't that many, I mean, unless you're going to go out and throw just a wild, I mean, enormous offer at somebody, I mean, the, who was left really like that they could have got, I mean, like Luke fickle maybe, but Luke fickle seems quite content to not move. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt Campbell, you know, Campbell was rumored at the Washington job and was to the point of talking dollars. You know, that was confirmed by one of the Seattle times reporters, um, you know, that they were actually taught, you know, negotiating dollars on the contract. 
And then that didn't work out um, for whatever reason. I mean, I, th I think that the, the big thing this year that made it really tough for, I mean, and even for, you could argue for USC, though they ended up going really big um, for Washington and Oregon, both was the, the lack of really solid Western candidates, right? I mean, DeBoer only has a year or is it two, two years of FBS coaching experience, right? <laughs> I mean, really like a year if we count 2020. Yeah, oh, that's and, true. That's fair. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he does have some experience at a lower level for sure. He's a good offensive coordinator when he's with Indiana. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not as if like they tore, I mean, it's not as if they tore it up and were somewhat like Fresno state was nowhere near the level of say Cincinnati, right. Or some of it, like even some of the very best, you know, group of five programs. Um, and they didn't play. I mean, Fresno didn't even play for a mountain West title this year. Um, so it is, I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, what I think though, is that when you look across, I think it is tougher to find a really good defensive coordinator than an offensive coordinator. I think there are more really good, like uh, offensive coordinators going that you can pay money to. I mean, Ohio state just hired Jim uh, Knowles from Oklahoma state. They're paying him almost $2 million just to be the coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's probably going to pay off, but landing is, you know, you're getting one of the best defensive coordinators in the business. You're hoping that he can bring that, you know, the defenses that we've seen, you know, from the, the tree that he's coming out of, of the, you know, Alabama, um, you know, Georgia, you know, I mean, he, this Georgia defense up until, you know, the, the Bama game was grading out as one of the best defenses we'd seen in beta rank. They're, they're at number six since 2012 now. Wow. Um, which is an excellent, I mean, it's still an yeah. excellent defense. I mean, the 2016 Bama defense is, is the best defense that beta ranks ever graded out. Um, and then two of Brent Venables defenses, 2018, 2019. Um, but I mean, it's, a, it's still a really, really good defense that you're getting there. A guy that comes from, you know, the, you know, has certainly, you know, you like the finishing school, right? Like his time at Alabama. Yeah. He was only a GA there, but you know, then he went to work for Norvell at Memphis before getting picked up by Kirby smart at Georgia and Kirby smart. I mean, he's far and away the most successful Saban disciple recruits really, really well. Um, in his own right. And, and if you're Oregon, like you wanted to continue that focus that you had from Cristobal and, you know, you know, we know where Cristobal picked it up, right. His time working at Alabama. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like so as, as always, right. We sort of say like pending the staff, <laughs> you know, if he hires a good offensive coordinator, I think you're feeling, you're feeling pretty good. There's a rumor that's been floated around. That's I, I think some folks that we know, I've seen enough people sort of confirm the names getting kicked around that Tosh Lapoy is in conversations to come back. He's friends with Lanning. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And, um, that, I mean, that of course, I mean, if, with the news that Dante Williams might be staying at USC, they would be adding one of the best recruiters to ever recruit in the PAC 12 back, you know, into college. Um, which would be huge. Right. And with landing there, you could maybe give Lapoy, you know, the DC title and name only and, and, and sort of work from there. But I just, I, you're, I think you're right. I just think it was such a, a year with so many big changes and big moves. Like once Dave, like, I think everybody kind of figured out Dave Aranda wasn't going to go anywhere. And then af after that, 
I, it's like slim pickings, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who else is there after that? Like, and if you're going through names wise, right? Like Venables is probably the best coordinator that hadn't had a job yet. Somebody nabbed him. You could, you know, you know who they could have talked to that would have had a bigger splash is maybe Bill O'Brien from Alabama. Yeah. I've, I've heard with the Alabama guys, Saban is basically makes them sign in blood that they have to be there for two years. That's like the, that, that is the thing. Um, I wonder with Saban, if he's really sort of made them sign after the experience with Kiffin, you know, going early yeah. for, I mean, basically having to like, get, like let go and he's like, go focus on your new head coaching job at FAU. <laughs> um, and then Sarkeesian took over the play calling, right. It was like, I wonder if Saban has basically signed it of like, you're here through whenever we finish our bowl game. <laughs> oh yeah. I guess, I guess that could, could be the case. Uh, yeah, that that one is interesting. I mean, Kiffin. I mean, speaking of people, I just I guess the thing for me was I expected Oregon to be able to pick off a bigger, splashier hire, and it, that might not have been the best decision, but I just assumed it was going to happen, right? Like yeah. I assumed that Kiffin would understand. Oh, like I can I can go into this place. There's money. There's a commitment to the program. I'll be able to do well there. Um, or I mean, like. Like Dave Aranda said no to Oregon and is staying in Baylor, Texas. Like that's freaking, that's insane to me. I mean, it might, it might've been a personal decision. Maybe he's happy there and all that stuff, but man, like that's, it's the, the Oregon job is a, it, I think it's a top 10 job and maybe it's not <laughs> because they lost. I don't know. If it's not, I, I think, I, I think when you go through like what the top 10 jobs are, you normally start listing off jobs that not only have great resources, but also sit on prime recruiting. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, that's true. I mean, LSU, Georgia, USC, Texas, Texas A&M, right? Like jobs that have it's just a mountain. I mean, in Ohio State, jobs that have a mountain of resources, but also have some pretty good high school football around them that you can go recruit. Yeah, Florida. Um, yeah, yeah, Florida State, Miami, probably. I mean, Miami's further down because they haven't had the resources, but the recruiting. I just, I, I thought that they would be able to pull off somebody. And given the commitment of money that they have, like the history, um, they already have a national recruiting base, like, right. They have pipelines into to Southern California. Those pipelines, I think will be challenged heavily by Lincoln Riley and USC, but they're still there and they were able to recruit nationally. I, I, I don't know. I, I was just, when I saw the hire, I'm like, ah, I mean, okay. I mean, I, I get it. And I, I understand why they did it. I just, I don't know. I was just expecting more, um, and again, just, just because it's a splashy hire doesn't mean that it's going to work out. But it, for me, yeah. it was a real step back from like, okay, where is this program compared to a lot of the other programs? Like what you couldn't, maybe they weren't going for Matt Campbell, but like, you can't pick off Iowa state's head coach. You can't pick off Baylor's head coach. You can't pick off old Mrs. Head coach. Like, I don't know. Like, that, that bothers I mean, me. Lane, Lane Kiffin's the odd one for me right there because he definitely, Lane Kiffin absolutely feels like a mercenary, right? I mean, he jammed out of Tennessee and went right to see you and given the opportunity. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't say that in a bad way. Right. I mean, Lane Kiffin is to who he is. And like, I, I think people know that. Right. And I just, uh, but I, I am like, I'm surprised they didn't make a harder run at Kiffin. Um, but I think once you get past, if you get told but no by Aranda and Kiffin, maybe, then you're on to the coordinators, right? Um, and I, and we should, I mean, there was a, I think the other, the other thing there is, you know, and, and there were some, there were some, there's some well-connected Pac-12 reporters 
who I think are connected into a certain set of the Oregon booster (laughs) (laughs) who were reporting, you know, that Oregon was really interested in Chip Kelly or Justin Wilcox. And I got to say, like, I mean, I'll take Dan Lanning over those two, you know, like, I think you should feel pretty good if you're an Oregon fan, if not land, not, not landing those two. Oh, I totally agree. I think the ceiling is high. In yeah. theory, on paper, is higher with Lanning, given the recruiting, given um, the ability to coach the defense, and just the fact that he understands what you need to do to build a winning program. Chip Kelly, I mean, could you see him like going going to the mat for f- on recruiting again? Like, I thought that would have been a disaster. Um, no, I don't. Th- I don't think Chip Kelly. I mean, I don't think Chip Kelly has adjusted to not having. Uh, schematic advantage. Right. I mean, like back when Chip Kelly was going at Oregon, like he absolutely had, and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the tempo. He ran that read option better than anyone else with the wrinkles that he had in it. Um, and that's, I mean, the, the, that advantage is gone, right? Like, <laughs> and, and without that, like Chip Kelly's got to get it that out there and recruit, and he certainly hasn't. No, and neither is Wilcox, and and Cal is hard no. a harder place to recruit to. Uh, I understand that. At the same time, the recruiting has dropped off from what it has been in the past. And I also, I you know, for like the five Cal fans that listen to the show, it it does seem like the new athletic director put the screws even more on who is allowed to come to Cal and who is not. So I'm sure that it's more difficult than it was when Tedford was there. Uh, but like when I, well, here, what did you, like, we kind of poo-pooed the idea of, of Wilcox being a candidate at Oregon. And then lo and behold, like, you know, Canzano uh, <laughs> sends that thing out and basically says, Hey, this guy was offered. Now, when I first saw that, I, I tweeted out the picture. It's like the Swedish chef. And it's like, we're to Like, because I just, I, that didn't make sense to me that that would be the guy that they would go to the guy that they would offer. And, and it seems like it's confirmed that they did, but it still doesn't smell right. Like I, that yeah. just doesn't seem like an organ hire. And, right. and we've been kicking around basically because clearly somebody was pissed, like you mentioned, but you go into it because you were talking more about like, okay, there's got to be, there's something else there. And there's a reason that this story got out. And I don't know if it's yeah. the full story. Right. I mean, it doesn't. So uh, I will go through my reasoning why I don't think this is the full story. <laughs> so one, um, I, I mean, you've, you've done both. Uh, you and I, I mean, I manage people, you've done some hiring, you've had some no hard feelings moves that people make. Right. Yeah. And for the most part, right. Like if someone, if you make a good faith offer and run at somebody and they turn you down, and then you come back with having sweetened the offer and they turn you down again and you really feel like you gave it your best shot. Well, those are the breaks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, I mean, that just happens, right? Like there could be things that you didn't consider. They could have another offer. I mean, you name it, right? I mean, that stuff happens in hiring and there's, there's generally no real hard feelings about that kind of thing, particularly if it's just like Wilcox turned you down what would anyone have to really be mad about, right? Yeah. On the Oregon side. like So I'm also assuming that this isn't like, because the story that came out was not that like Oregon pulled, like had an offer in front of Wilcox and pulled it at the last minute. That's the kind of story you'd expect to come out of like the Wilcox camp, right? 
is something like Oregon screwing him over. Yeah. Um, right. Like that your, your agent might leak that story. That's not the story. The story that comes out is just that, that Lanning is not the first choice that Oregon made a run at Wilcox on Friday and then made a run at, I mean, the same day that the Atlanta journal constitution reported that Lanning was going to be the guy. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you have, you know, the, the report also states that Wilcox ended up saying, no, the part that seemed kind of fishy about the story though, is that like whoever told Canzano that, and Canzano absolutely had to have at least gotten confirmation from another source, right? Like you don't run with just one story from one anonymous source. Yeah. And he said multiple um, sources in, in there. Yeah. yeah. And they generally say that. I mean, like they're going to say more, they're not going to say like, Oh, we had two sources. Like they'll say multiple, right? Like, but he got confirmation on it. Um, but it was the source that he, I'm, I'm guessing what his primary source was saying, like we had, you know, t-shirt ready to go marketing plan, ready to go. And I'm like, why would you, if he hadn't said yes yet, who has a marketing plan? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. I know. <laughs> like, like if there's not pen to paper, what marketing plan do you have? Right? Like no one's doing that. Yeah. And then, so he does like, he turns it down on Friday and then they come back with another offer on Sunday morning, apparently. And he also turns that down. Hmm. And that strikes me as odd, right? That if you, if you're the story comes out from the Oregon side, undoubtedly, I'm guessing probably from a booster rather than somebody in the athletic department. A former player um, could, you know, yeah, might maybe not former even be a player. Booster, yeah. I mean, because there's a lot of folks, former players, boosters, etc., who basically, after having really Taggart leave and having Mario Cristobal leave for Florida schools, they wanted to hire somebody that was going to treat Oregon like a precious jewel of a job. A Michigan man, you know, we yeah, want a no, Michigan I mean, man. Yeah, I mean, like in the way you solve that problem, almost everyone tries to solve that problem is by hiring an alumni or someone with ties to the program or something like that, right? Like somebody that's going to view this job as like a destination dream job kind of thing, right? Well, okay, so I, I get that. And so the Wilcox, former Oregon player, right? Um, and they there's a big segment of the boosters that wanted him. I don't think the most important booster was among them, <laughs> Phil Knight. <laughs> but so like the, but the story comes out just absolutely torching. I mean, that, 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 all that, all that story is designed to do is absolutely pour cold water over the landing hire. Right. <laughs> That's all it's doing. Like there's no, you're not. You know, you're just sort of like, I mean, maybe you want to, uh, you know, prove your point at something about Wilcox right there. Is it like, but all you're really doing by releasing that is, is basically letting everyone know that Lanning was not the first choice. Right. And then another thing gets leaked. And I don't, I want to say, I don't think that any of the players that were involved in the letter to the athletic department leaked it. I think somebody, the, I think whoever leaked the original story, I think also leaked this letter. And it was these, you know, a letter from former players basically, you know, wanting to find somebody that, I mean, it's basically that don't wanting to find somebody that's not going to treat it like a stepping stone job, blah, blah, blah. But I just don't think that Oregon, I don't think they made a good faith. I mean, look, Kyle, I can't pronounce his last name, Bonguera or something at ESPN also confirmed Gonzano's reporting. Um, he's a pretty well-connected reporter. Um, particularly out West with, with programs. Um, so I don't, I mean, I, there's there, there, like there was likely an offer put in front of Wilcox. I just, 
the only way you get where someone's this mad is if you feel like it wasn't a good faith offer, <laughs> you know, that if Mullins, the Oregon AD, basically, yeah. you know, decided in, in, in order to help assuage part of the booster base, and maybe they got turned down by Aranda, you know, and maybe, you know, they, they, they you know, they make, they make a, you know, put some feelers out to Kiffin and there's nothing there. And then, you know, the other half of the booster base is going nuts, you know, an alumni base is going nuts saying like, Hey, you know, like you need to at least, you know, you need to talk to Wilcox. And so they put an offer in front of them, but you and I talked to people like Phil Knight basically signs off on whatever the salaries are going to be. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like, I could see them putting an offer in front of Wilcox that he's not going to take. Or, or there are significant strings attached. Yeah. Like or there's you, real bit like you will yeah. hire this offensive coordinator, right? Like none of this, none of right. this, tra- whatever, whatever the heck you've been doing at Cal, we don't want any of that part on the offense. Right. Like here are the, here are the terms for you to take this job. I think yeah. might've also been in there somewhere. So Wilcox turns him down. They sweeten the offer by a little bit or whatever. He turns him down again. Right. But that's the, uh, that, like, I can't think of another, I mean, there are other scenarios I'm sure. Like it's an entire, like, but if I had to think of like where I thought the weight of probability would land, right. Like we know Wilcox actually had an offer. I, in my heart of hearts simply cannot construct a scenario in my head where if Wilcox is given a good faith offer at a market salary for Oregon, yeah. he stays at Cal. Yeah. yeah it like, that is, that is like, in le- like, I mean, people stay at jobs for all kinds of reasons. Maybe his, I, I don't even know if he has kids. Maybe his kids are in a great school district that he loves and his wife likes it in Berkeley and he doesn't want to move. What, I mean, that stuff happens, you know? Um, but like most coaches and coaches families are fully built around, you know, that, that guy's job and, and he's on the hot seat in Cal. Like, I mean, yeah, a little I bit mean, of- like, it's not like people are like <laughs> super pumped about the job he's even doing at Cal and he hired an awful offensive coordinator. It's not working out. And like when, so, when they printed the t-shirts, I joked like, what, what did they print? His record at Cal? Like what were on those t-shirts right. that yeah. they supposedly put together? Yeah. So like, I mean, like I just, I cannot, I cannot. I cannot and I will not accept (laughs) for the most part. I will not accept anyone trying to tell me with a straight face that Justin will like we talk about like a committable offer from a school, right? Like, you know, like we don't do a lot of recruiting coverage, but like, you know, that idea of like, because a lot of schools put out a ton of offers, some of which are not committable, right? Yeah. And like, was Wilcox actually given a committable offer? Right. Like, was he given an offer that didn't have like a poison pill in it? Because it feels like, cause I can't, if he's given a real honest to goodness offer, what, what is, would anyone at Oregon have any reason to be this mad about where they would absolutely go out of their way to drop a nuclear bomb on the PR for the landing hire? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's what, like, and one other thing too, that I thought was interesting because this is all happening and I'm thinking like, ah, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't like, Leaving le- leaving a school where you are handcuffed in many ways to yeah. to compete at any any significant level and taking a job that will likely pay you more that has more resources um, that's cheaper to live in right like there there's a lot of benefits for for jumping from Cal to Oregon didn't make sense 
Uh, one of the podcasts I really like to listen to is the Cover Three podcast because those are like the two four seven guys that are like the national guys. You know, not not the uh, the the fiefdom <laughs> two four seven guy. There's some there's some really good ones that we like in, in Los Angeles, but uh, there's some other two four seven ones that that can kind of go off the reservation. These are the national guys. They are plugged in. They have their sources at every at every place, and I really like Bud Elliott. And they're literally breaking the news to him that Wilcox had an offer, and his his immediate reaction was like. Are you sure about that? <laughs> it was like right. the exact same. Like I, I don't, I don't. That that doesn't make sense to me. Why? Why would he not like? What, they're like, no, no, it's confirmed. It's uh, multiple sources and stuff. And he goes, um, we're gonna have to look into that. It was just that immediate. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. And I really appreciated that because I freaking was going through the same thing. Like this cannot be. This cannot be the full story. Right. I don't know. Um, no, no. I mean, like, and I just, it's strange to have somebody. <clears throat> I mean, and that's like, it's one of the things we, we've, I, we have talked about this before in covering another scandal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is quite a scandal, but, um, you know, sources have their own motivation, right? Like sources, I mean, what they tell you may be true, but they may not give you the whole story. Right. And you may only be giving, like, you can confirm it, but like their motivations are also going to shade the story that they tell you. Um, and I definitely think we've gotten part of this story for what happened on this Oregon coaching search. Like, uh, and it's an interesting part of the story and I don't, uh, we may never get the whole story. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like at the end of this, like, I'm just not convinced Justin Wilcox got a real offer. Like I'm sure he got an offer that was like mildly insulting on salary. or No, I hear you. Well, we we've done, we've done 30 minutes on that. We might actually, I might release that as his own podcast because uh, it's just really fascinating to see, but um, all right. Well, anything else on, on the Oregon hire? I mean, we have other uh, coordinator hires. We have our Stanford postmortem. We have our bowl game, but anything else on Oregon before we move on? No, I mean, I think Oregon, I mean, I don't think Oregon fans have any reason to feel any worse about this than like, I mean, DeBoer has got more head coaching experience, but like they shouldn't feel any worse about that. I mean, both he and DeBoer are going to be really having to prove themselves at a job at the level that they're at. Right. I mean, I, I think that's clearly going to be the case. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, I think Oregon fans should be happy and feel pretty good about this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get on to the other conference hires. We have a lot more news to cover and we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back, Rob. We have a number of openings all over the Pac-12 right now at the coordinator position. Some of these people, what are they waiting on? <laughs> it is it, it, like in, what are they waiting on to hire? And who are they waiting on to fire for the love of all that's good in the world? I mean, Jerry? the fire, the fire waiting, I get, it's like the CD side of college football that like on, cause signing days on Tuesday, on Wednesday, oh, like that's that on right. Thursday morning or on, you know, following <laughs> there will be some people announced no longer have jobs. That's true. Yeah. Well, we'll have that black Friday come up pretty soon here. So that, that makes sense. Uh, keep an eye on Stanford, keep an eye on UCLA on that front. Uh, but the, the real news 
Uh, well, where do you want to start? I mean, like, the, you know, the the positions are slowly starting to trickle in. I know Arizona made a defensive coordinator hire. Were there any other you know major moves that have happened in the conference? Uh, what do we got? We've got Washington State's defensive coordinator. They got Ward from Nevada, and I got to say, I thought that was pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, and he he had been he had been rumored to have an offer from Washington football uh, uh, scoop. He does a pretty good job on the coaching side of things. Definitely had it that the, uh, that he also had an offer from Washington. While, while you're thinking Morris. Oh no. And they hired, they hired more. I mean, they hired Morris. They, they brought in a, uh, they brought, they're going back to the air raid offensively. So who'd they bring in? I, I totally missed this story while you're doing that. One of the things I thought was fascinating was Jay Norvell going from Nevada to Colorado state. Yeah, that that one is uh, because Nevada doesn't have great like Colorado State just built a new um, a new football stadium. They replaced the old high school stadium they had. They they do have like they certainly have like better like they have better facilities than Nevada. There's some money. Well, there's some money yeah, in I mean, Reno some, too. But... There's some increase. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just thought that was interesting. But no, it was, it was Eric all... Morris comes in. And he's been the head coach at Incarnate Word for the past couple seasons. He did some time with Cliff Kingsbury oh. um, at Texas Tech. They hired uh, the offensive line coach from USC, Clay McGuire. Like they're going back to the air raid, mm-hmm. and then they hired one of the better, one of the pretty good defensive coordinators uh, in the Mountain West in uh, Ward. So I mean, I, I thought, well, I thought that's Digger did a really good job of, of going out, and I think getting, I think. We've talked about, I think the air raid still fits the personnel pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I I like them both. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And the fact that he, on the defensive front, has already been solid on his own. So yeah. I like that. I mean, it'd be interesting to see. It's hard to recruit to Pullman. So when you talk about like somebody that's going to go out and recruit, it's not going to be go out and recruit those four-star and five-star guys. It's more go out and recruit the people that are going to really fit the system and and be able to develop them. So I'm curious about that. But on its face, like that sounds like two really good decisions and like, you know, keeping the the feel of the program, right? You go out and you get an, another defensive coordinator that has some X's and O's experience and uh, and like hopefully some development experience, and then of course the area that that's fascinating. Um, I'm not as excited, Rob, about Arizona's defensive coordinator hire, which I thought was <laughs> freaking bonkers. Like, <laughs> I, don't know. I said a lot of negative things about this um, when it was announced. Uh, nearly everyone that I sort of like go back and forth with email wise on the Twitter machine, like behind the scenes, was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and as like, so Michael Lev, the, uh, the beat writer for the Arizona daily start, who's great tweeted out like really yeah, he's, he's, smart football guy connected. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had tweeted out that, uh, that it was that they were going to announce it. Um, and that it was somebody that from a, you know, that Arizona had uh, on a staff that Arizona had played this year. And so like, you're pouring over, <laughs> I was like going over the, the staff directories and I was like, I, I mean, it like some names jumped out and I tried like, I, like people would throw it already throwing them out and they would get turned down. I was like, God, who in the world is this going to be? And, and then it was, an, I mean, so he's Johnny Manson's been brought in specifically for recruiting, um, which is dangerous as heck. 
Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, like, and I, I say that, like, I mean, look, if he turns out to be just, I mean, if he can get Arizona to a bad power five defense level in two years, like, I don't think he's necessarily done any harm. <laughs> Maybe if, you know, if he can also offset that with recruiting, uh, and I do think Arizona staff is doing a pretty good job recruiting. So I, I have to give fish credit there, they, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But like the ch- potential to really, really shoot yourself in the foot with a bad play caller is really high. I mean, this Nance has been around a long time. No one has really thought of giving him coordinator responsibilities and there, I mean, there are guys, it's just, and I don't like, this doesn't make him a bad coach. It doesn't mean that there'll be a bad head coach someday. If they get their shot, like Sam Pittman was never a coordinator. I think he's doing a really good job at Arkansas. Um, you know, like Dabo Sweeney was never a coordinator. He's clearly done a very good job at Clemson. But those are the coaches. Um, so like, those are the play callers. Right. And like, but the, like Tosh Lapoy, Nick, Nick Saban had to give in because Tosh Lapoy is such a nuclear weapon in recruiting gave in and let him be the play caller and it didn't work and saving yank play calling duties from him after a couple of weeks. Right. Like Ohio state hires somebody other than Kerry Combs. Like they might have been, they're likely playing for a national title this year. Right. Yep. Um, you know, like the, 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 a bad play caller can really, really hurt you. And like mileage may vary on a new play caller. So like, I think the best case scenario for Arizona here, I mean, I, I, I gotta be frank. Like, I, I think you're the chance that he turns out to be a really good defensive coordinator is like maybe 10%, <laughs> maybe. And, and like, there's a, like, you're just kind of hoping it's not terrible. Right. I mean, in Arizona's defense has been really bad for years. I mean, going back even before Marcel Yates was hired, right? Like they, they, they like Rich Rod did a bad job recruiting the defense and they've needed a roster overhaul. So I get it. Like I get the play. It's just risky. Yeah. I mean, he was named the, and I'm using air quotes right now, Pac-12 recruiter of the year <laughs> when he was at USC. Um Yeah. He he comes over from UCLA doing uh, the defensive line. So if, if there's a couple things that make sense here, but for the most part, I don't. I think this hire is really really risky, and it makes me incredibly nervous. The first is uh, the first good part though would be Arizona's strength, which sounds bizarre, but like you know, th- there's not a lot of strengths on the defense. So you know, the one where if you're playing NCAA football, like the 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 one that's going to be the farthest to the right is the defensive line. And they do have some interesting bodies. They have recruited fairly well at the ends. That's interesting to me, the fact that they brought somebody that has more of that background. He also coached linebackers at USC and a couple other places. So that I that's interesting. The recruiting portion can be interesting. But when he won recruiter of the year, he was at USC, right? Like it is much harder to recruit to Tucson. So now you are bringing on a guy that is a pretty good recruiter um and you bring him to Tucson without play calling experience and you're an offensive coach like man that just seems like he's oh, it's, just, it's a wild move yeah <laughs> i mean they're what's interesting they just picked up jason Cafu. i mean they've absolutely rated ucla's coaching staff they have yeah. they have three three coaches in the last two years that have left ucla to come coach 
Arizona. Which might not be a good thing, you know, all things considered. <laughs> like with UCLA. No, I mean, defense. I thought Chip Kelly did put together a good staff, but like he doesn't push his guys to recruit hard. But he's definitely like what Fish has done, he's he's hired to like three out of the four good recruiters off of UCLA staff, including Jason Kafusi, um, the guy they just picked up. But what I think sort of I mean, what I think could maybe work from a position coach standpoint is they are going to switch over to doing like the Utah type thing where they have two coaches coaching defensive line. Um, you know, and, and I do think like, you'll see this a lot more among PAC 12 schools, Utah is developing enough talent that like, and that's why I think they picked up Kafusi. Like he played at Utah. Like, I think he's from Utah. Um, you know, like schools are going to start to try to like concentrate more on recruiting Utah too. Um, but yeah, I just it's an odd, it's an odd move. Like it's super super risky move. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was um that makes me nervous. I mean, it's just Arizona, right? Whatever, but if you're trying to yeah. raise the the level of the program, like I know Arizona's defense wasn't great, but there was like you saw Don Brown's imprint on it, and that was a really interesting hire given you know, the situation that Arizona's in. You know, like is he is Fish going to be able to go out and get somebody like Don Brown like all the time? No. But <laughs> but there are a bunch of really good yeah. defensive coordinators in the Mountain West this year. Yeah. Like guys, that, I mean, I don't know. But like, oh, and uh, Grubb got announced, Ryan Grubb at Washington as the play caller, the offensive play caller. That's an absolute upgrade, of course, over John Donovan. But we'll see what his ceiling is at the Power 5 level because DeBoer is not your play caller. It'll be Grubb. Okay. So, and he came over from Fresno State as well? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan Grubb is the new OC and quarterback coach. The other thing that was interesting was uh, Jake Hayner is not going to follow DeBoer to Washington, which it seems like there was a when that was announced, I I was like, oh, that's cool. But I think that there was maybe some eligibility issues where like transferring back and forth to the same team. I think that's like still a no, no in the or or it's like in that gray area. I think it I think that he may have used his free transfer already. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, like, but the reason he's coming back though, is he had a great relationship with Jeff, Jeff Tedford, um, that preexisted. So Tedford coming in, he was excited to come back and and work with them. Yeah. It makes it a little Um, awkward in that locker room though. Right. With, uh, uh, (laughs) with Morris and who's the other guy, uh, Heward, like, Hey guys, sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) yeah, we thought we had our guy, but now it'll be one of you. Um, but I, I mean, I gotta be honest, like I'm amazed Oregon state hasn't, announced their defensive coordinator yet right Colorado hasn't got their offensive coordinator figured out um and we're coming up on early signing day I mean Washington hasn't announced a defensive coordinator yet that's a really important hire for DeBoer you know like uh that's just I'm I'm surprised they haven't gotten that done already yeah we'll keep a look on that stuff I'm trying to think if there's any other news by the way Spencer Rattler just got announced as the new quarterback at South Carolina. So I know people were looking at some of the Arizona schools. Yeah, I know it was an interesting get for them. South Carolina, uh, that's Shane Beamer's team. So, um, you know, I thought that was interesting. People were looking to see if he was going to come to maybe Arizona state. I didn't think he would ever come to Arizona, but he is from Arizona. So ASU looked like an option, but it seems like Daniel sustained for an extra year. So, um, and, 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 and I mean that in a transfer way, not like a going to the NFL way, so that's that's interesting. Um, there's a lot of that's the one thing that I'm fascinated about. There's so many quarterbacks in the portal right now. Uh, we have Keaton Slovis, Rob. I don't know if you saw that today. Just got announced that he's he's entering the portal. 
Like I, that's a name where I think Graham Harrell really d- did him dirty. And when I saw people talking about, oh, like Graham Harrell is the new hot coordinator on the market, I'm like, are we sure? <laughs> that's yeah, the case. I know. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. Like I'd be surprised if you landed in, I mean, you never know people, people make odd hires all the time. I, I don't know that I would Graham Harrell gets another power five coordinator shot right off the bat. I mean, he, he certainly changed the offense, but it seemed like teams just figured it out right after a while. And, and once you kind of crack the code, man, that offense yeah. really just, just sputtered hardcore. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I mean, there's been a lot of players that have entered the transfer portal, but I thought Slovis. I mean, was... I, I don't think Purdy's committed yet. He's another Arizona product. Um, Plummer's brother, who played at Purdue, was transfer. I mean, those aren't necessarily like Chubba Purdy's. A, he was a four star at the sign of Florida State. He's an Arizona guy. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a. I mean, it'll be interesting. To, I mean, I think it'll be really interesting to see too who. I mean, because you'd almost expect USC to be on the market for a transfer, you know, like, and certainly some other Pac-12 schools are. I mean, I, I got to be honest. If I may, it's like, I mean, maybe the whatever NCAA trouble that's hanging over Arizona State, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is hurting them a little bit. It certainly, I think, is hurting them in high school recruiting. They've basically almost given up on high school recruiting this year. Um, but I think, you know, I could see, I could honestly see them going and looking at a transfer quarterback to come in and compete with Daniels. I think Daniels needs to be pushed. Yeah, absolutely. But ever, like, I mean, literally, ever, literally everyone else needs a quarterback. <laughs> 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 Oregon State, someone for the love of God, get Jonathan Smith a I quarterback. Know. Like, that's such a, that, that's, of all the teams, that's the place to go. I mean, I, I guess we've said this before, but like, they have a great offensive line coach. So you will, yeah. you will be protected and you have and they, they, a brilliant a running game to lean on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, anyway, I'm, I'm really hoping that they land somebody. And, and to be fair, Smith has done a great job in the portal. I mean, that's how they got, they got Jebby out of the portal. They've gotten a bunch of wide receivers yeah. on the defense. They've plugged holes there. So certainly not adverse to, to the portal, but I'm just curious to see whether or not they're actually able to do that. Um, I'm just trying to, and also like for the recruits, or the, you know, the commits that end up going to the transfer portal, like stop yelling at me to respect your decision. <laughs> I just don't, like, I'm, I just, every time it's like, oh, so-and-so is into the portal. He's like, respect my decision. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, stop. Yeah, I mean, cause they do, they do catch so much hell. I mean, like there are fans that like, I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, like you practically have to be like, respect my decision because like, I mean, people just lose their minds. Yeah. It could, you know, maybe you could be like, Hey everyone, it's like, <laughs> You know, I can be very naive right now, but Hey, you know, it's been really, it's really been a blessing, but I, I really do. This is a, this is a better fit. I really enjoyed my time. No, just respect my decision. Um, just, I think it was just like, be nice. Like, I mean, like, like I'm a, I'm a child of God too. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. <laughs> like we're talking about football people, not weapons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There you go. That That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, all right. Any, any other uh, news on the coordinators, any other hires or transfer items that you want to touch on before we get into the Oregon state. Speaking of Oregon state, we have a bowl to cover and then we have our Stanford post-mortem. No, no. I mean like we're, I mean, but it's, it's funny. Cause like, and we're going to talk about this a little bit with Stanford and there's maybe a reason you might talk about Stanford not having a change, but like, man, Jerry Azanaro still has a job. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's not helping at all. 
Um, you know, I mean, like, do you th- I mean, it's like, do you really think he even recruits? Like, yeah, that's my point. It's like, you know, of all the teams where it's like, oh, we're waiting for the end of signing day. Who's like, I can't, like, I can't wait to sign up and, and play under Jerry Ozanaro. Like, he's just the coolest guy I've ever, and he's so good at play calling. Like that, there is, there's nobody that's saying that right now, and I think it shows. Like, right, Chip Kelly has. I think the NFL broke Chip Kelly for you know, not only did they catch up on his offense really quickly, but um, he's just like, I don't want, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you know, like this is yeah. Well, no, and it's weird. I mean, it's sort of weird too, because like, uh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm really, I, and I, I, I said this, like, I'm really surprised Colorado, given how bad their offense has been. And the plethora of like quarterbacks available on the transfer portal, the number of coaching changes that have led to some decommitments out West, the Colorado didn't get their act together and get an OC announced because they need some juice. Like Colorado, particularly on recruiting that side of the football, like that program needs some juice. They need something like (laughs) even just getting a guy from a smaller school that runs a fun offense or something like that, where like you at least get some you know, like pats on the back from the football junkies in the, in the media, you know, that like really fought like your Bud Elliott types, right? Like, you know, like even getting there would have been really good for the program before signing day. I'm just, I'm surprised they didn't get that done. That's a really good point. And when you're taking a look at what Colorado has, man, I mean, it's just that that's a rough, that, that could be a rough ride in the yeah. coming, in the coming years, like years with a Z. I mean, <laughs> like, this be yeah. really bad. Uh, all right, let's get to our Colorado, uh, our, our Stanford postmortem and let's get to our Oregon state preview right after this. All right, we're back. And Rob, let, let's start with the Oregon state bowl game where we've hit bowl season and, and it's fascinating that the first game that's coming up is an Oregon state team that really, uh, I, like, would you say impressed? I think I kind of had them like at a, as a 500 team. So they, they did win a few more games than I had anticipated, but I mean, is this an impressive team to you? They got a win against Utah. <laughs> I mean, when Utah was hot, that, that is true. That is, but like, like the, they're, they're, they're the only team I think that got a, a win against when the Utes, when the Utes were rolling. That's true. But like, they, that's where Corvallis is where teams go to die. I mean, like, yeah, like that one. I I took the the beeves in that game just because uh, I don't know. It's just one of those trap games. But I hear you, right? You have to get up for that game. You have to play well for that game. And they did knock off a Utah team that really um, just turned itself around. And now they're going to the Rose Bowl because of it. This this game goes, you know, pits them against a team that I think you and I both had probably the worst take of the year on. And I'm glad that it was outside of the Pac-12. And that's Utah State. I mean, this is a team oh, yeah. that was just hot hot trash last year and they came in knocked off washington state and we're like oh man washington state must suck that team sucks they must have quit on their coach already it's a total mess and then washington state ends up winning like eight games you know their defensive coordinator ends up being the coach and uh but here utah state they had a really good year and i think this will be a fascinating game against the beefs Blake Anderson, the head coach who came over from Arkansas state and he, you know, he'd done a good job at Arkansas state and he left partly because, uh, I think he had, and this is really like his, his wife had a long struggle with cancer. I think he kind of wanted a fresh start, but is, I mean, it literally one of the best coaching jobs in all of college football. I mean, like you, you could and should make an argument for him as coach of the year nationally. 
Um, they're at 55 in beta rank. That is amazing considering how bad, I mean, what a crater Gary Anderson left them. (laughs) Gary Anderson's the worst. (laughs) So this is practically like the Gary Anderson resurrection bowl here for these teams. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I forgot about that, that he had connections to both of them. Oh my God. Um, But, I mean, like, Oregon State's got a good offense. I mean, they're at number 17 in beta rank, of course. Like, they don't throw the ball particularly well, 45 an effective pass. But Utah State has a pretty good group of five defense. They're at 62 in beta rank. Um, you know, they they do a good job with drive efficiency comparative. I mean, like, that's a bad power five defense. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. But, like, by group of five standards, that's not bad. Um, I mean, which I think goes a lot to coaching, right? Cause they were terrible the year before, um, no big run pass, but 62 and effective rush 64 and effective pass. Like you certainly expect the Beavers to, to get some points here. Right. And they, they have a huge advantage on special teams. They're at 21 on special teams versus 70 for, for Utah state. But uh, Oregon's, you know, defense has been a real problem all year. I mean, Oregon State's defense, 96 overall in beta rank. They really struggle in drive efficiency. Teams can put together drives for points against them. They're at 110. They're they're pretty bad against the pass, number 100 overall, 79 in effective rush. They get a Utah State offense that's pretty good, uh, 40 overall in beta rank, um, you know, 35 in explosive drives. They really do a good job putting up big plays. 22 in effective pass. They really throw the football around. So, I mean, the bees are favored in beta rank. It's not by a lot. <laughs> this is uh, just about a little over three points. Um, they're favored by seven and a half. I think the line opened at seven and a half. It's down to seven. Down to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and this Utah State team played pretty well in the, you know, in the, in the Mountain West Championship game. Um you know, absolutely taking it to San Diego state. Now San Diego state might've had some flu <laughs> issues in that oh, game. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I mean, like Oregon state should in no way overlook this Utah state team. Right. And, and you certainly like, you have to really admire, I mean, I think Smith should have, you know, the beeves pretty fired up for this bowl game. It's their first bowl game in a good long while, but, um, yeah, this, this, this should be a good fun, uh, a close game. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, by the way, we're going to make our picks, but we're not. And like, if, again, if you want to compete against us, do it in the bowl pool, these do not, we have learned our lesson on bowls, right? All of a sudden, like the day of the quarterback and five of the offensive linemen are out because they don't want to play in the game. So just know that we're, we are doing this for fun and there will be prizes and cash prizes in the bowl pool. But like, I am in no way holding myself accountable for these picks in these bowls because I mean, after watching the sun bowl one too many times, uh, including the three to zero win where, uh, the pit Oregon state game, I, I am done actually putting money on, on bowls outside of the pool. So th- these are just for fun. I do think with all that said, Rob, with this particular game, you want to try to find, if you want to bet on games, and I do not recommend betting on this one, but uh, this one seems to like there is a competitive atmosphere in it rather than some of these other games where the teams are like, you know, oh, eight and four, this is our fifth bowl, and now we got to go to Albuquerque or something. In this particular game, like, right, Utah State has had a really good season, and now they get a shot at a Pac-12 team. And yeah. on the other side, you have Oregon State that – like they, they made a bowl game. Like, Oh my gosh, we, we finally did it. They finally made it. I think they're going to come out 
and uh, and I think they're going to come out and play hard. Whoever decides to play in this game, I think they'll they'll be competitive. So wait, do you know where this is? This particular game? Yeah, I just had it up. Uh, this is the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Now let's see. Okay. At, now, now yeah, uh, take, at, at, at SoFi Stadium. Take everything I said and throw it out the door. They're playing the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. <laughs> um, I did. I think one of the things that's interesting to me on Utah State, I always try to look for fun players in the offense. Right? They they got a wide receiver named Devin Tompkins that has just been tearing it up. Um, he has more than 1,500 yards receiving on the year and nine touchdowns. So that's fun. Um, so look out for him to possibly torch the the defense. And then, I mean, they run the ball well, too. They got like three or four, uh, actually like three uh, running backs that have been able to, to rack up some yards. And their, their quarterback, Logan Bonner. Right. 36 yeah. touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 61 percent completion rate like they'll they'll should be able to move the ball against Oregon State. Um, it's just like, what is what is their rush defense? Utah State's uh, their rush defense is in the 60. They're at 62 and effective rush. Yeah, they don't really have a real, real big run pass split. I mean, this is a decent this is a decent group of five defense, but Oregon State should have an advantage on on um, starting field position and and they should be able to put up points in this game, but it, it, it should be tight. I mean, if, if Oregon state finishes minus one on turnovers, they could easily lose this game. Yeah. That, that's kind of, I was thinking because it seems like Utah state should be able to throw the ball, but if they throw a pick and it's a pick six, or they throw it on a short field. Yeah. Like that could be the difference between covering that spread and not covering that spread. Um, it's nice that they tend to take care of the football, but you got to think that on the other side, Nolan is probably good for a pick. <laughs> In this game, yeah. he normally is that that tends to be the the uh, trend with with Oregon State. I'll take I'll take the Aggies. You know, uh, I do think that I risk the possibility of Oregon State just running the ball and like forcing the Aggies to hit big plays, which they might be able to do. But it seems like Oregon State's rush offense is really good against bad teams and fairly like like if you're if you're playing a team that's like bottom like forty or below in terms of their, you know, uh, rush defense, they tend to do really well. When you start playing yeah. teams that really can put the screws to a team, that's kind of where this offense tends to sputter. Um, but I'll, I'll take the Aggies. We'll, we'll see if they'll be able to put up some points against Oregon State in that, that weak defense until they get a coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Give, me, give me the Aggies here. I, 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 I like them against this number. Probably take the over on this game right and hopefully it's at like 50 right now because it should be at like 72 <laughs> 67 Ooh, that is high 67 and a half oh, yeah vegas knows vegas knows you got to get those uh those totals in the beginning of the year where vegas doesn't know which quarterbacks are good or not um okay all right anything else on this game no 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 this should be fun i'm, I'm excited for this one to kick off back 12 season yeah yeah it's a, it, it's a good good one to start with which is great okay let's get to our stanford postmortem. And it's kind of a sad one. I mean, it's funny. We, we've left people on a sad note the last couple okay, last couple episodes. Uh, three and nine. Two and seven in the Pac-12 overall. Uh, Stanford this year with wins over USC, uh, Vanderbilt. Oh, and they beat or- that, that freaking Oregon game. Right? I know. <laughs> so the Joe Moorhead, no, the, the no Joe Moorhead game. Oh, my gosh. Um all right, they start off the season three and, you know, I, I was pretty excited, right? Three and two, the season win total is four. And I'm like, I'm in. Right. I want, we, they just beat Oregon. I'm good, right? 
Um, they figured out that Jack West wasn't good, which they should have figured out last year. But for whatever reason, David Shaw tends to to like his guys. And then and then I'm like, all right, we got we got McKee. We have an offense. We have on paper, uh, you know, five star, four star offensive lineman. I know the defense sucks, but this team should be able to compete at least by scoring points. And and that kind of happened to some extent, but then like 52 to seven against Utah, 20 to three against Washington, the offense 41 to 11 against Cal 45, 14. And, and these are with McKee in the game. in some of these ones, like I, I yeah. know that he wasn't in the Utah game, I don't think, but, uh, or he, he was, but like he was kind of coming off of an injury. All, all that to say, really the, the big point here is the offense didn't pull through either. And that's incredibly disappointing. When you take a look at the players that, Stanford has recruited. These are blue chip running backs, wide receivers, and offensive linemen. And when you take a look at the stats, like they are really sad. Their top rusher, Nathaniel Pete, 79 attempts for 400 yards. Austin Jones, 107 attempts, 378 yards, three and a half yards of carry. EJ Smith, blue chip player, 133 yards on the season. Like this, this program is in trouble. And that that's on the side where they've recruited well. <laughs> like on the defense, it's even worse. Right. Yeah, I mean this this Stanford team, we've been sort of watching, you know, and hypothesizing about the sort of like when is the bottom really going to fall out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the Stanford squad, and uh, it was this year. I mean, they were <laughs> one. Of, they finished. They finished last in the Pac-12 in beta rank. Um, they finished at 105. They had an offense grading out at 91, the defense at 111, the special teams at 83. Now they did play a pretty tough schedule, number 16 overall in beta rank on the the you know strength of their schedule, but that's rough. I mean this 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 Stanford squad. I just I mean it's it is a really it's a really hard thing for me to see. I and uh, you know I, I I think you know you probably feel that like it's hard to see this turning around, you know, if only because like Lance Anderson has been there as the defensive coordinator for a long time, it's not working. I mean, they're the defense in particular has been really bad for years. I mean, they, they were at 81 and in, in 2019, 85 and 2020. I mean, that's a really bad unit, um, you know, under Anderson, you know, the offense has had, some ups and downs. They, they, you know, with Pritchard, they certainly had some better time. I mean, like 2017, they were at 20, um, you know, they were at 17 in 2020, but they've had some ups and downs with Pritchard. I'm fine with if, if Shaw wants to make a move at offensive coordinator. I mean, I think Anderson's his real problem child, Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like they're, there's just, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's, they're at 119 in effective rush. I mean, and some of that is getting just blitzed by Utah, but I mean, this is just a really, really bad team that you, it is really hard to kind of see your way out of, you yeah. know, where they're at. And you got to get the one thing to give shot credit for is changing the offense, right? You kind of yeah. realize, all right, I can't just rush the ball over and over and over again. The, the game has changed. So they did. But that's, you know, that gave them a little bit of a boost, like a caffeine high right. for a year or two. And that's come down to earth, too. The thing that really makes me nervous, Rob, is the this recruiting. I don't think they had the wide receivers this year. Yeah, but like that's the, I mean, that's also the problem. Like those like John Humphreys 
was a four, like a real high four. I mean, all these wide receivers yeah. they had and the tight ends that they have. These are all, I mean, you look on paper and you go, somebody in this class has to be good, right? <laughs> you get this many players and they're tall and they're, and there's some fast guys. Like they had, they had the height and the depth and the speed and it just didn't really work. And that's really worrisome. And then, and then you flip it around into 2022. This recruiting class can be really good. But the thing that really worries me is that a lot of the the commits that they have are um, like, you know, you, you got a good linebacker and David Bailey, you have some defensive ends, but like they, they didn't bring in the corner talent. They don't have the safety talent and they certainly don't have the guys up the middle. And that's been yeah. a problem in the last couple of years where, yeah, the, you know, the outside linebackers have been decent. Yeah. They've brought in some talent on the defensive ends, but really the guys that plug the middle that you've expected um, from past years, they're just not there. And I'm with you. Like they, they need to make a change at the defensive side for sure. If they make it on the offensive side, I'd be on board with that also, Rob. Like, but how long, like how long does this now to be fair, this is the I mean, this first is a really good class. I mean, to be frank, I mean, this is at number 13 nationally. I think there's going to be some movement. I don't know that Stanford's probably going to land any guys, you know, late in the process. Right. Yeah. But you know, I mean like David Bailey, the guy that's the you know, headliner of their class is a terrific player, <laughs> you know, like an edge rusher, but it's just, it's just strange. Like you're kind of looking at this and you're like, I just, they, they are, yeah, it's a good class to bring it in. That's room for hope, but they're, it's not like they're, the roster is not already full of guys that were like some five, like, you know, an occasional five star, some, you know, f- high four stars and four stars on there already some high three stars. Like that's already their roster. Yeah. They're not developing players at all. No. I mean, it's like USC. I mean, like that's how bad. When you take a look at the roster and the production, it looks like USC under Clay Helton, and that's really wor- and, and worse, right? Because they're actually not winning yeah. games. <laughs> now, this this is the first year that the wheels have completely fallen off, right? It's gotten really rickety, and then they've like they had a good year, and then uh, the COVID year happened, and they they did a little bit better than in- expected. But I mean, one more year of this, and you have to think that Shaw's really on the hot seat. Um, I really That's hope what you kind of wonder at like what's the what is what is what does it take for David Shaw to sort of feel the heat, you know, <laughs> like because a, a normal coach, right? Like in a normal, you know, in a program with like you know wild fan interest, that kind of thing, like Anderson would be fired, right? Like that would have been announced in the middle of the season, yeah, um, that he wasn't coming back. And, and, and Shaw would face pressure to probably make a change at offensive coordinator too, you know, like, but the fact that it, like, it may go into next year. I mean, I just, I kind of feel like, I mean, even David Shaw, who, who may have a life, I don't know what Stanford's intentions are. Like, they can't let it just go forever being this bad, but I mean, it's not like this isn't hasn't been coming. I mean, this has been the team's trajectory that they've been on, you know, it's not like, it's like, Oh, all of a sudden, like a, a dip season and you expect a rebound, right? Like, sure. I expect him to be better than they are at one Oh five, but like, I don't expect Stanford to be a, like a good football team next year. And um, you, and you got to think what, you know, who are they going to get? Right. Cause it's a tough job. Right. But, but like, I mean, with whether it's Stanford or Cutcliffe at Duke 
or the Northwestern job. I mean, coaches have shown that you can build a culture, including Stanford, you know, at a at an institution that has really high standards, and you can build a culture around it. And Shaw certainly has done that to his credit. But if he's not willing to change things, like there's got to be other people out there that that could get there. And yeah, you have to take a risk, but like you just mentioned, the trajectory has continued to go down. So it's not like you're taking a risk of saying like, Oh, we're going to give up consistent bowl games to, you know, to, to dive into the unknown. It's like, no, this program is headed in the wrong direction. And right. You know, like you have to either screech on the brakes and change things now or, or just go, like go in a completely different direction. Those are the two options. <laughs> like, I don't know if right. Stanford understands that. Right. I mean, that's like, that's like you, you want Shaw to make a change, right? Like, and it is what I do think that Stanford has that is still appealing is you definitely still feel like Shaw has a longer leash than a lot of coaches, right? Like he probably could go for another three years yeah. at Stanford, right? Before Stanford feels compelled to make a change from a guy that like, you know, actually won the PAC 12 and some Rose bowls, you know? Um, but I do think the, you know, you could absolutely see Shaw, you know, like moving. I, I mean, I, I don't think even he can sit still on Anderson and um and Pritchard forever, right? Like I think the recruit I mean, I think what David Shaw likes about his staff is I think they recruit pretty well. I mean, I don't think you can I don't think you can argue that at all. Um, but I don't think I mean, I don't think it's working on the actual football field. And there's some guys that are like some really well respected position coaches like Dwayne Aquina. Yeah at Stanford and like, he's just getting buried under bad. I mean, just bad scheme and play calling all around. Um, and that's like, they just, they, they gotta, they gotta fix it. And Stanford's got it. I mean, those, those, their coordinator positions are endowed. Yeah. That's what I was just going to like, they have money. <laughs> no. Like they can pay, like go, go get somebody. That is wild. Yeah. That, that was the thing that was crazy. It's where I was kind of thinking, well, maybe they don't have the money and that no, there's buckets when well, that about buckets, but yeah, there oh, there's is, buckets of money. David Shaw might be the highest paid coach in the Pac-12. Maybe not with Lincoln Riley's new contract, but like he's insane. David Shaw is an easy number two. Like he makes millions more than everyone else. Oh my gosh. Well, it's something to keep an eye on. I promise these will get more positive as we move along, right? We're going through kind of there's a reason the teams that we're doing now are the postmortems because they're not playing. Um we'll we'll continue to to go through because there are some teams that really are on the rise, like Oregon State being one of them. Um, you know, I like, it'll be interesting. We will probably do Arizona next week. And for a team that lost that many games, there were some glimmers of hope there. So we'll try to dive into that. But like, man, when you look at Colorado and you look at Stanford and you just go like, what, like, I don't think there's, there's direction here right now, at least with fish. It's kind of like, all right. I mean, I, I get it. Like I there, there's energy and the team continued to play hard throughout the year and yeah, they sucked. But the recruiting, I mean, right, there, there's some positives. So just using Arizona as an example, we'll, we'll continue to find other teams as we go along and try to move our way up. So we'll leave everybody on a positive but note. It's, it's not just us that thinks that like there's, I mean, there are a lot of people around the Pac-12 that are like, you know, Fish at least has a shot to get this going, right? You know, and that's sort of like, I mean, Durrell seems to have just sort of lost momentum. <laughs> Stanford's definitely lost momentum, right? Like, I mean, Fish is still in the, the in, in a way, in like the honeymoon phase, though, too, right? Like, it's still, um, 
you know, if, if they have a year like they had this year, next year, like it's going to be a very different story. Oh yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll be the first ones we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it there, Rob. Um, thanks for jumping on. Make sure to let us know about the bull pool, $12 entry and, uh, and compete against myself, compete against Rob. And we'll start recruiting some other friends here. I know that our friend, um, Adam at uh, Quack 12 podcast is on board. So I'm going to start recruiting some other people to recruit against or I'm not recruiting against to, to play against. Let us know if you want to join and we will catch everybody next week.